My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined on today's show by Bridget Bard, the founder and CEO of Bioshore. Uh, Bridget, very warm welcome to yourself and thanks ever so much for joining us on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Scott. Really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Bridget. And just for those listeners tuning in that might not be familiar with yourself and the business, perhaps you could just sort of expand on um, sort of what it is that Bioshore does and what it is that you specialise in. Sure. Well, we're a UK healthcare business, so we work right from developing products to moving them through manufacturing, regulatory approvals and market entry. And our deep-rooted passion really is about providing people with with tools, credible, robust tools to, um, you know, let them take control of themselves and make their best informed decisions. Yeah, so I guess that involves essentially manufacturing, developing and sourcing, sort of testing products, doesn't it? Sort of prevention products, so sort of nasal sprays, that sort of thing. Is that the kind of thing that you that you generally do then? Yeah, well, I mean, our our legacy sort of from our from our team background is very much in the self testing arena. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have worked across exceptionally high risk uh, medical devices, such as the first home HIV self test, um, and we still work in HIV self testing. Um, obviously, we became involved with COVID as every poor person on the planet. So we were still at that time very focused on testing and self testing. But because we were working so much with businesses and with members of the public, um, we realised that there, you know, there was a much greater demand across healthcare. So we have worked with partners in the US to bring a nasal spray uh, to market, as you mentioned, the Viral Pro, which actually prevents, mm. um, yeah, colds, flu, COVID nineteen. So we are expanding far more into the healthcare arena as well as self testing now. Yeah, fantastic. And um, we did, of course, here at the Leaders' Council uh, run a, um, a new story on the um, the, the Bioshore Pro um, nasal spray out there. And I'm sure that's something as well that we'll probably touch on a little bit later on in the uh, in the programme. Uh, because um, we're entering a period of time, aren't we, where, you know, the there is an economic downturn and a lot of businesses are going to be looking at, you know, where they can make cost savings. And even though, of course, we have had a pandemic over the last couple of years, I suppose sometimes it can't it still can't be impressed upon people enough is it that you can make so many sort of cost savings within business by actually making sure that you keep your workforce healthy because absenteeism actually loses you a lot of money more so than you probably think. Well honestly we've been staggered by some of the numbers I mean some recent data that was published and this is this is not specifically due to the pandemic. This is just general, um, you know, sickness leave with staff. Mm. Cost small businesses under like five billion pounds a year. So staff well being is paramount and that's kind of for us across all boards, whether it's, you know, physical, mental health. Um, so I think the more tools we can provide, the more opportunities we can provide to make people, you know, feel safe and secure and actually be safe and secure in a cost-effective manner has got to be a win-win. And there's such a significant clinical bottleneck that actually taking that into your own hands is, is essential now. 
Yeah, definitely so. And I suppose what your products are focusing on is trying to allow people to uh, to really do that. Um, you mentioned, of course, a staggering sort of five billion overall cost for SMEs in sort of lost productivity and sick pay. So if you average that out to sort of every individual employee, you're talking about sort of £780, aren't you? It's absolutely incredible just what you can lose on one individual and empowering the individual to sort of protect themselves, take control of themselves. That's incredibly important at a time like this. It really is. I mean, I think we learn um, a lot when um, sort of, as I was saying, sort of the, the Bioshore team legacy was was um, developing the HIV self test, and we we created a market out of nothing, and it, it was super high risk, and there was definitely no route to market, and there were free tests available on the NHS. But we have learned so much from that experience. Um, one of one of the biggest things is is people's time. So, you know, you talk about something could be free, but actually when you consider the time taken to do something or to prevent something, um, it, you know, it's really significant. But what we, what we have really noticed is um, how difficult the behavioural change is to kind of look at preventative healthcare. Mm. So people, as soon as someone has something, they react to it. But the preventative part, which is quite difficult to quantify, really, um, requires a significant behavioural change. There's a lot of educational kind of messaging and and training that we do around that. Yeah. And what sort of uh, stuff is it that you actually do then to try and sort of instigate that change in behaviour? Because I suppose it is difficult, isn't it, to try and sort of act in a preventative manner when it's sort of not clear that you've got something or you're in the early stages of a condition because you only tend to really sort of react when it becomes obvious, don't you? And by that point, you're essentially struggling with the symptoms already. Yeah, that's that's really, really true. So um, I think given the economic climate at the moment, one of the easiest ways for people to think about kind of preventative healthcare is through cost-benefit savings. Mm. Um, so we, I mean, we work with, with healthcare and with, with pharmacists around general messaging to do with preventative healthcare. But I think from April next year, there is a big push coming through, um, kind of spearheaded by NHS 111 where there is going to be a much bigger focus because in this country, we are very reactive. In a lot of countries, um, you know, there is more um, a consideration around preventative. But the um, this behavioural change, so with our nasal spray, you can actually take that every day. And we know through clinical studies and various kind of situations that we've been in, that for the first two or three weeks, everyone uses it religiously, everyone, and then suddenly you forget. A bit like taking vitamins. Yeah. Suddenly you get a sniffle and it's, oh, where's my listeners? Where's my nasal spray? So it's almost that mindset really um, that, that we, we kind of try and tap into to keep healthy rather than react to when you're ill. And I suppose beyond that, even if you sort of are in the mindset of prevention rather than treatment when sort of an illness might come around, what might put a lot of people off is sort of how much a product costs, of course. And what you've also done is sought to address that in light of obviously the current cost of living crisis we're facing. Yeah, we really have. I mean, we manufacture in the UK, so that that does help keep our costs down rather than having to import and, you know, supply chains and logistics. Um, and actually, there's there's 400 sprays, so that's the equivalent of 600 hours of protection per bottle of our product. Mm. So even at the retail price, that works out for something like two and a half pence, um, you know, per hour protection. But 
we, we work a lot with businesses, especially in the city, um, where there's obviously, you know, discounted prices and bulk pricing. We've actually got something running with the Leaders Council for 25% reduction at the moment. So it's under two pence an hour. Even in a big team, you know, when you look at that £780 per per employee yeah. um, in sickness cost per year, it really doesn't work out too badly. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Um, essentially, invest in the prevention and then you'll eventually see the rewards. It's one of those things where I guess you do have to almost speculate to accumulate and it's one of those benefits that you might not necessarily sort of see returned immediately in sort of fresh investment, but it is going to benefit you in the long run, isn't it? It's going to limit your losses. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, the firms that we um, work with in the city, you know, they're, they're now we're kind of moving towards, but obviously everyone's still working in a hybrid situation, but even people getting back onto trains and there was an anxiety around it and there is still some nervousness of going into, you know, really busy situations. I mean, mm. every time you're on a train, there will be someone coughing or sneezing next to you. And, you know, very few people are wearing masks now. So this really, um, as well as being a physical thing you can do, actually, you know, helps relieve some people's anxiety. So it's been very useful getting people back into workplace as well. Yeah, certainly so, because like I say, even though obviously COVID social restrictions have been lifted and it may feel like it's no longer an immediate and present danger, there's, there's still some of the legacy of the pandemic that still seems to linger. And I suppose for a lot of people, we might well have forgotten about that. But for a lot of people out there who, you know, maybe. Um, in that sort of vulnerable group and may sort of be a little bit more sort of conscious of the risks around it they are going to perhaps need that little bit of extra reassurance and it is just as much also about reaching out to that demographic as well yeah no 100 percent. i think that the population's probably quite split where we've got have you know immunocompromised population or people who are acutely aware of, of any risk that they might be taking to the rest of the population who's probably been vaccinated, had COVID, really COVID fatigued, um, don't care about it at all, which I can't blame people for because I think most people do feel in that situation. Um, but as soon as you do get that cough or cold or sneeze, and we know everyone that's <laughs> had to curse that in the last few weeks, um, is when you suddenly think about it. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose if you're empowered in the sense that, you know, you've taken the preventative product and you're going out there, you, you, you can have that confidence to sort of go into the workplace, mix with your colleagues and also go and socialise, don't you? It just sort of gives you that uh, that empowerment. And I suppose you could say exactly the same about sort of the um, the point of care tests and that sort of specialism of the uh, the business as well. Because obviously when you are in the field of early diagnostics and you're sort of making in, uh, people sort of informed that, that, you know, they might have a certain condition before that becomes obvious, that could potentially be not just empowering, but also sort of life-saving, couldn't it? Yeah, 100% it is. And we work internationally as well. So um, we do know, I mean, we were acutely aware that everyone has a choice. So what, what we always try and do is just offer a choice. You know, we, we don't push anything down, going on, throw up anyone's nose mm. would be appropriate at this point. But um, that feeling of empowerment um, and the life-saving aspect, we have seen it time and time and time again. And with something um, as um, emotionally evocative as HIV, where there's there's bundles of stigma around it, you know, people don't want to think about it, or it's not something that's my problem, it's someone else's problem. Just having these tools available gets people talking and gets people thinking which in turn kind of, you know, oils the wheels and gets people thinking and it breaks down some of the stigma. 
So it, it can be life-saving. And we've got, um, there's a big rollout next year, um, which, we're, which we're doing in conjunction um, with NHS around this preventative role, where it's going to be much more, you know, we've got cholesterol tests, and diabetes tests and a, a full, real full suite of um, products becoming available uh, directly to consumer and through healthcare, where people can, you know, people haven't got time to go to a doctor, they haven't got time to wait, they possibly haven't got time to have time off work. Mm. So being able to build this at home really will be quite a significant shift in a sort of in the in the healthcare landscape here and i think it needs to happen doesn't it because when we're seeing so much noise as well about the covid backlog and the difficulty of actually going in and seeing a doctor at the moment um access to healthcare alternative healthcare let's call it that 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 has to be something that we bring forward doesn't it because if that can alleviate the burden on the uh, the nhs as well then that's only hopefully going to uh, to be a benefit in the long run and sort of improve that patient's access yeah i mean as you say the clinical a bottleneck is literally touching everybody now. So having this kind of space in the middle, whether that's privately funded or through an insurer or wherever else, where we're actually delivering what's called higher value patients mm. to the NHS. So rather than them screening through, they know already who's walking through the door. Treatment within the NHS is still good. It's the diagnostic part, which is taking the time. And obviously, the later something's diagnosed, the more expensive it is to treat, the more difficult it is, it can have impacts on mortality, you know, lots of things. So so we're looking at it as, as putting this space in the middle that actually, as you say, will allow people to, to access treatment but without having the delay in the screening process. Yeah, and I suppose the critical thing about um, early diagnostics as well is just sort of given how important and how sort of life-changing they can be, um, it's making sure that they're sort of affordable to bring to market, isn't it? I mean, that's um, a huge issue with sort of some of the uh, those really innovative tests that we're seeing being brought forward by sort of Big Pharma at the, uh, at the moment. And this, hopefully, is going to be a real sort of answer to that. Well, it's certainly our goal. I mean, every, everybody in the, in the healthcare sector understands the kind of, regulations, how robust they are, how essential they are, but they cost a huge amount of money um, to move through. And you talk about, you know, bottleneck and, and lack of capacity within the NHS. We have to work through notified bodies and uh, we now have UKCA marking in addition to CE marking mm. and capacity within notified bodies is just absolutely horrific. I can't really call it anything else. So getting these products through evaluations and then through regulatory approvals is time consuming and a lot of money and it does need to be affordable at the end of it so you have lots of things to address and credible and effective exactly the efficacy of the uh, the product is something as well that has to be proven and um, you've got to jump through an incredible amount of regulatory hoops for that haven't you <laughs> I mean sometimes it's um I suppose when you think about it and um, the speed at which we were able to sort of bring a COVID vaccine to market during the pandemic I think it's maybe made a lot of people forget just exactly how rigorous regulations are before you before you actually bring out a medical product and bring it to the mass market because it's got to pass so many so many different uh, sort of regulations and tests doesn't it yeah, it has. And I think, I mean, um, back in 2011, for me, was kind of a pivotal point. For me personally, when I really put my complete faith in self-testing and self-diagnostics, um, I sound like a, I sort of kind of had a crystal ball, but there were, there were experiences I'd had that I knew, you know, or I thought there would be um, issues around the diagnostic sector. 
But one the one one of the things that the pandemic did is that everybody has now got used to the idea of self testing. Um, mm. And when something's wrong, you want to know what's wrong. So you can just so you can make a choice. That that's really the um, issue. And as I say, the the, the bolt on of the spray on top of it, and you've got a choice, and you've got preventative um, product. Hopefully, will go hand in hand together. And we talked about that core business focus that you have already around taking control of you and giving you that reassurance of knowing perhaps what it is that you have and empowering you to make a decision on: Do I head out of the house today? Do I stay in? Do I go to work? Do I not? It's it's incredibly powerful. It can't be understated the real impact that that does have, and uh, especially when, like I say, we look at um, things like sort of the HIV test that you mentioned. Given that now it is a treatable condition, it it gives people just so much more, doesn't it? It it does, and again, that that kind of goes back to the educational piece. Absolutely. So um, understanding that HIV is treatable, how simple it is to test now, it's a simple mouth swab, you know, there, there, there really are no excuses. And that take control of you, I mean, it's our strap line, but it's also what we passionately believe in because every single person is individual in how they feel about something or how they want to react to something. And yeah, we, 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 like, we like providing choice. Exactly right. And you mentioned as well that um, obviously there's a lot more in the pipeline as well, new products that are going to be coming to market. You're working sort of closely with the NHS on that. So I'm guessing if we were to maybe sort of look ahead, maybe 12 months from now towards the sort of latter stage of 2023, uh, where do you you see yourselves by then, uh, Bridget? what's, What's in the pipeline? Well, I mean, we've always tried to build the Bioshore brand as being incredibly trustworthy and credible. Um, so we are starting um, with, with our blood-based um, tests with things like diabetes. We are looking at tests for PSA, bowel cancer. Um, so when um, we were very originally working with HIV home testing, I think the biggest anxiety from the regulators is how people would deal with their result and what would people do yeah. if they had a positive result and could they cope with it. And you know, through really um, robust post-market surveillance um, data that we've got, we, ha- we have really shown that people can deal with getting their own results. Um, we've never worked in, so HIV is a treatable condition which always made us very confident um, in home testing. With um, things such as bowel cancer and um, prostate cancer, we need to make sure that we have got a seamless transition into healthcare for those um, conditions so we won't be addressing those um, subjects, but it's certainly where we're heading once we're confident that there is there, there is a very simple, straightforward pathway back into healthcare, looking at treatment for such things. So it seems like there's a very exciting year ahead and um, I actually would relish the opportunity, Bridget, to welcome you back and just catch up on some of those incredible developments and innovations as they start to come along because it seems like it's a real big 12 months ahead for Bioshore and there's going to be plenty that you're going to be branching out into and uh, certainly wish you every success with that. Well, I would be delighted to come back. Thank you. And I have to say, if there are any listeners out there that kind of uh, would like a chat or especially looking at our international um, kind of push through into Europe and the Middle East at the moment, we we, we, we love collaboration. Mm. We thrive on it here. 
Absolutely. I'd certainly urge you to uh, to reach out and get in touch uh, with uh, Bridget, anybody who's listening in that may be interested in that as well. And uh, if you are an individual as well who uh, may be affected by some of the issues that we have discussed as well, or you feel that what we've talked about does particularly resonate with you, um, you can certainly uh, reach out to us directly and leave a comment or ask a question. You can do so via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us. Any questions, of course, that we might get for you, Bridget, will be forwarded directly onto yourself, of course. And uh, for individuals who who might run their own business, their own organisation in this field or any field, and you have your own perspective to bring to the discussion table on this or any other topical matter or issue, then just remind you that you too can also apply to be on the podcast, and that would be via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply, your best port of call. Um, for now, Bridget, it's been fantastic welcoming you onto the uh, the programme, and thanks ever so much for the time taken to speak with me, and it's been really eye-opening and enlightening from my perspective, just understanding a bit more about how BioSure is really looking to bring these sort of testing and preventative products to the market and how you're trying to make them accessible to the public as well in what is a tricky economic time so again really wish you do the best of luck over the next year and hope it all comes together well wonderful thank you so much Scott. and i hope every single one of our listeners also enjoyed um, hearing from bridget today and i do go indeed to check out a little bit more about bioshore if uh, something um, that we've come up in the discussion today may be of interest to you and for any interested parties um, i believe you do have a website bridget is that right we have um, our, our main consumer, direct-to-consumer website is bebioshore.com. Um, as I mentioned, there's, there's discounts on there for Leaders Council, but also obviously we work um, with volume customers, retailers, um, so you can get in touch with us through there. Absolutely fantastic. As always, I've been your host, Scott Challoner, on today's episode of the Leaders Council podcast. And until next time, when we'll be back with a whole new perspective on leadership and current affairs, please do take care all and goodbye.